Welcome to this episode of Curating Crypto, where we focus on covering the art and culture scene surrounding the crypto space. And now, here's your host, Pavo Villalobos. Hello, everyone. This is Havo, your host of Curating Crypto. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to our partners at FOMOHAN, the Pulse of Crypto. Discover events, data, news jobs, and more at FOMOHAN.com. Our guest today is a Bitcoin-focused artist based out of Los Angeles, who, unlike others in the scene, works almost entirely in sculpture. Before getting into crypto, he received a Bachelor of Arts in International Relations from the University of Pennsylvania, as well as his Master's in Fine Arts from the American Film Institute. While working as a film producer, he fell down the crypto and later Bitcoin rabbit hole, and the rest is history. For someone that rarely requires an introduction, here is Brecky von Bitcoin. Hello, Brecky. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Havo. How are you? Doing good, my man. I'm very excited to have you here. You were one of the artists that I truly wanted to bring into the show. Because you basically cover two areas that I really want to focus on this podcast. Obviously, the first one is the artist. The second, the the cultural aspect of the crypto space. And you, as somebody that has amassed a following uh, via social media and other means, it's really interesting to talk to you. So why don't we get started? Dude, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no culture in crypto. There's no <laughs> community in crypto. Okay, it's just code. So, you know, we can just end things here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first of all, I would like to preface my question with a disclaimer to the audience. So for those that have um, not noticed yet, uh, Brecky does not have a German accent in this podcast. So if you were expecting a German accent, uh, you're going to be in a bit of a shock. Well, we can go back to the accent. We can do like a little bit here. I, I try to, you know, I want to make it easier for everyone to understand me. So uh, I'll, I'll play to the audience a little bit. Excellent, excellent. So, Breggy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in crypto and your general background? Uh, sure. So, um, I guess my background first, I, I studied international relations. Um, I went to the University of Pennsylvania and studied international relations and studied Russian. I used to speak a little Russian. Um, and I kind of, as I was doing that, realized I didn't like it and wanted to go into the film industry. So, I ended up writing my thesis on um, how fil- how countries use their film industries for propaganda purposes. Um, so that kind of led me to filmmaking. Um, I ended up in LA uh, working for a producer um, and then at a talent agency. And then I went to the American Film Institute where I studied producing. Um, and I learned a lot about, well, a lot about making movies, but also about narrative creation and storytelling and kind of the, the power in those tools and, you know, how to, how to do those things. Um, so crypto. Um, so basically, I first got into crypto in 2013. Um, I, I, I guess I was lucky enough to buy two Bitcoins then. And I bought at the top right before Gox. Um, Gox happened and um, I, uh, everything, you know, everything crashed and I became a hodler. I didn't know. I'd never heard the word hodler. I didn't know what a blockchain was at the time. But uh, I guess I was sort of like a, you know, a proto-Bitcoiner. Um, and kind of to that point, like the reason why I even bought Bitcoin back then, I guess, is because, well, you know, I played World of Warcraft and I'd, uh, you know, other video games as well. So, like, I understood the idea of, of a digital currency sort of, you know, innately. I got that. Um, but, um, you know, I was also doing some traveling abroad and I kind of was thinking to myself, well, shit, what if I'm, you know, I'm in another country and I can't access my bank. You know, this Bitcoin thing seems like, you know, this, this could be good. So, you know, I, I got some to kind of hold on to, you know, I kind of, you know, fancied myself like a, you know, a James Bond. I could just go from country to country and, you know, I have this money that nobody knows about. Um, <laughs> and um, let's see, I basically forgot about it. And then in 2016 or so, I probably started paying more attention. Like, you know, my, my friends would like drag me out to a bar or a club and I'm, I'm more of a, you know, stay at home kind of chill and work on you know, creative projects kind of guy. So I'd be there and I'd be at the bar being antisocial and I'd like open my phone. And one night I think I pulled up my Coinbase app and I saw this thing called Litecoin and this thing called Ethereum. And I still had never heard the word blockchain, but I was like, yeah, let's, you know, let's buy a little bit of this, you know, and uh, see how that goes. And, um, you know, those drunken buys were probably some of my better buys. Um, and you know, I didn't really pay attention then. Um, and at the time around then, I was still, I had moved to LA. I was still working in film. 
um, you know, I was producing a few movies, uh, like independent films, and I really didn't like it. Um, and then we kind of had that run up in 2017 and I, I really started paying attention, you know, totally because of the price, you know, like a lot of people, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I FOMO'd into all these horrible shit coins, um, which I'm, uh, in the process of offloading. I should probably just dump <laughs> them all today. <laughs> but yeah, so 2017 fell down the rabbit hole because of price, um, and at the time, I, I, you know, as I said, I, I really didn't like what I was doing in film, and I was really gripped by crypto. I fell down the rabbit hole, you know, headfirst, um, and I was like, I, I want to do something in here. So I was kind of, you know, in between movies and figuring things out, and um, I decided to make an Instagram account and to basically to learn about crypto. I had no idea where to start. You know, I didn't know about IRC. I didn't know about Andreas Antonopoulos. I, I knew literally nothing. I think the first like video I saw online was like Trayvon James, that, that freaking BitConnect scam right, right. asshole. Um, so I started this account as a, as a response. You know, I developed this sort of character, this Brecky character. Um, I don't know if you know this. I used to call myself crypto breakfast Correct. because my, uh, my buddy would every day during 2017, we'd wake up and he'd text me like crypto breakfast and we'd get breakfast and talk about what's going on in crypto. Um, and so I made this account as a response just to lampoon these scammers. And, and, and if you're on uh, crypto Instagram, it's kind of this cesspool of a place. Um, it's all scammers. And so, um, I would make these like silly videos and people kind of liked them. So I continued making them and it sort of evolved, you know, I, I would do different parody videos and I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed doing uh, voice work. So, you know, I, I would dub these cartoons like, like, um, you know, a, a Disney cartoon or whatever. Um, and eventually it, it kind of evolved into blockchain and Morty. Like I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan. My brother and I watch it all the time. And I was like, Holy shit. Like this is perfect for crypto. Um, so I started doing that, um, but I didn't really have kind of any direction. Um, you know, I was actually approached to host a, um, like a crypto talk show, like sort of like the Colbert Report for crypto, right. but this was like bright as the bear. We, we, we all hadn't really accepted that the bear market was here. We were like trying to believe that it wasn't real, <laughs> um, but then it was real. And so the, the show kind of fell apart yeah, and that's, you know, that kind of reality sunk in, um, and so at that time, I, um, I think I'd become friends with a couple of crypto artists and started following them and they sort of inspired me. Like I've always been a creative person, um, you know, hence going to film school and all this stuff, but I, you know, I hadn't really gone about doing it the right way. I'd always been like, oh, I'll do the more like corporate version of creativity and then eventually I'll become a director or an artist or whatever. And so I had this free time kind of between jobs and I was like, you know what, screw it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make up, make some art, uh, see how, how this relates to, to Bitcoin. Um, you know, so it was kind of a risk. Um, but I leaned in and basically like rediscovered this passion for creating that I have. Um, now, well, I think hmm, when I realized that I could probably like make my living through art, like that's kind of when like a major light bulb went off when I realized that like that risk was, was kind of worth it. Can you talk about your creative process, your source of inspiration, and also you're into a very specific type of art, right? So the first episode I had with Trevor, fine artist, painting, second episode, digital artist and physical artist, and then you're in, in sculpture, right? So it's a very different media. Can you walk us through the process from a creative idea, concept, for example, the resin uh, Bitcoin beer, right? So from creating the mold, so how long it takes, because I think it's something that the listener will appreciate, right? It's not something that's just set up in, in a couple of hours and then you sell it. It's a whole process and making sure everything looks polished. It's a really big investment in terms of time. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, I guess that's true. To me, it's more like I, I just really, I really enjoy that process. Like I love working with my hands and I love kind of figuring things out. Um, I guess I have like a very like three-dimensional mind. So to me, like working in three dimensions makes, makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Like the, the idea of painting is, is so daunting to me. So I have so much respect for guys like Trevor. Um, but let's see my process. I mean, basically I'll kind of say that like my process needs a lot of improvement. I basically like allow myself to, like I said, have fun with what I'm doing. And I guess that's, that's a good thing. You know, like the passion probably, I guess comes out in that. Um, and I really, you know, enjoy the kind of the experimental factor. So like, yeah, I might like agonize over carving, uh, you know, the Bitcoin B shape or another shape or, you know, whatever I'm working with. But um, I definitely let myself kind of 
experiment and go and you know i i, I embrace um the mistakes um like you know you were talking about trevor before and he is like he's a master of technique and one he's talented also but like you know he is a fine artist in the, in the highest sense of the word um and that is something that i have a lot of respect for and something that i aspire to and something i do not pretend to be at the moment i have a lot of fun and i think i have some a, a bit of natural talent um but i'll definitely be you know improving my technique for the rest of my life um and i think all artists should hopefully have that mindset in terms of like i don't know how i i guess come up with ideas it, it it's kind of all over the place and it definitely varies um you know sometimes i'll start with a visual i'll see something um that gives me an idea sometimes i'll start with with a theme or an idea you know i'll start on one end and i'll start with a with a visual and work towards an idea or work start with an idea and work towards a visual you know toward basically working towards something that i want to express um and it kind of it kind of has, a, I guess, a bit to do with like some of like my my artistic inspirations a little bit. Like there was this one time I was I was very young. I think I don't know. I think it was in my teens, and I was in Amsterdam, and I went to the Rijksmuseum there. And um, there's this famous painting by Rembrandt called The Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will I'll, I'll never forget the experience of it because the painting is I think like ten or eleven feet by fourteen feet. It's absolutely massive. And what they did was we we sat in this like tiered seating in, in a completely dark room, and they started playing this this soft like classical music. And very very slowly they they started illuminating uh, parts of the painting, um, and it, it told a story. And I was just I was like. I was shocked. I'm still shocked, like thinking about it. Um, and kind of how that relates to like, I guess my process a bit is that like, I'm not about a certain process. I'm not about a certain way of doing things. And I don't think I'll ever limit myself to a certain style or medium. It's more about like trying to create a a reaction, uh, you know, a feeling of emotion in people, um, or to promote, you know, questions. Like when I, when, when people see what, what I'm working on, like my hope is that they're like, Hmm. Bitcoin, like that's interesting. And like, they start asking questions or it makes them feel something about Bitcoin, whether that's good or bad. Um, and you know, I also, I also kind of like let, I like to let the materials I use guide me a little bit, you know, as you've you know mentioned, I love working in resin. Um, and that's, I think primarily because it's, it's difficult. Like I would, I used to see resin pieces and be like, Oh shit, that's cool. Like I wish I could do that. And I think after I, I jumped into, to, making art again, I was like, I'm never going to, um, let that kind of hesitation stop me. Like if, if there's something that I think is challenging or like, if it scares me, then I should, I should probably try it. Um, and once I started doing that, I think, you know, I think it really, really helped. So, you know, resin, it's great because it's a weird, weird material. Like it starts off kind of like, you know, it's, it's pure liquid, you know, it's just like this really thick goopy liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add a catalyst to it. And if you screw up the amount of catalyst, it, you know, it can do all sorts of weird things. And when you only have a limited time to work with it. Um, and so, you know, like almost when it's done curing, it's, it's, it's in this sort of like jello phase. Um, there's so many weird and interesting things you can do with resin. If you embrace the fact that it's, finicky and and has a mind of its own sometimes you know like i work i don't have a professional studio yet one day fingers crossed um so i work in my backyard i work in my garage and you know depending on the weather like something a whole really expensive resin pour could just go go sideways on me but uh you know if you embrace that and learn how to work with it then you know it's okay um and so another material i i really like though is um is concrete um I, I think it kind of daunted me a little bit because it's, I don't know, maybe because it's heavy or, you know, I don't know. It, it just was something that I was like, I don't know if I can do this, so let's try it. Um, and then I, I read up on it. I was reading up on sort of like the chemistry behind it and, and how it works and, and the history of it. Um, you know, because concrete is one of, you know, man's oldest, you know, building uh, materials. You know, the Roman concrete is, you know, still around to this day. And the cool thing about it and the reason why I, I really kind of latched onto it and really vibe with it is that concrete gets stronger with time. And to me, like I like to bake in a lot of hidden meaning into my art that no one will probably ever know about, but it's just because it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I heard, when I read that concrete gets stronger with time, I was like, Oh shit. So does Bitcoin. This is perfect. I have to use concrete. Um, so I've kind of fallen in love with it and there's so much you can do with it. I have a lot about the process of experimenting, right? And I think that 
I value as an art enthusiast when somebody posts something and says, so I'm truly experimenting. I remember a post on Twitter where you said, hey, this gold paint is just going sideways on me or something like that, where you said it. Let's see how it turns out. And I think that honesty is very well received because it's uh, it's part of the process, right? So you have a, an idea, but you let the material stick you there. And, and I think that's very valuable. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's kind of a... I'm a little nervous sometimes posting being too honest about the process, but you know, I think like, you know, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a new artist, you know, I'm not, I'm, I think, you know, I like what I'm making and I think some of it's good, but you know, I'm not pretending to be the, the Rembrandt who I was talking about. So, you know, if you embrace who you are in what you're doing, then, you know, who can hold that against you? I think. Um, and if, you know, people want to buy my stuff, then great. Everyone else can, uh, you know, they can go screw themselves if they don't like what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I actually have a, a lot of faith in you in the sense that there's not a lot of installation art in crypto. I mean, you go to these conferences and there's a lot of really good paintings. There's a lot of mixed media there. Uh, you see a, a little bit of LEDs and I mean, it's starting there. You go to a modern art museum, you see a lot of installation art where crypto doesn't have that, right? So. I have a lot of faith in you and that you may potentially be the one that starts bringing this uh, into crypto. So just keep going at it. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, I hope so. Um, um, you know, I, I think well, I mean, what's cool about art is like, you, you know, you you make a painting or sculpture and it and it ends up in someone's home or something. And that's that's great. You know, like artists need to sell their work and people like art, so they should buy it. And, you know, the world goes around because of that. You know, that's, you know, supply and demand. But there, you know, anyone who's doing crypto art, I think, is doing it for more than just, you know, the Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, we're doing this to help push this technology and to promote it and get people to accept it. So, like, we have to start doing more of the of public artwork. Um, you know, I definitely uh, intend to do more installation art and have some, some larger pieces planned. Um, and, you know, even some, like... You know, I'm not really inspired by the visuals of, of guys like Banksy. I think their stuff is really, really cool. It's just not my, my style, but mm -hmm. like the way they, they go about things, like, you know, I'm not going to you know, tell you guys about this, but, um, you know, if I do what I'm planning, right, then, you know, hopefully you'll hear about it in the news and one day you'll wake up and, uh, you know, there's Bitcoin art all over a city or something, you know, like, uh, you know, we need to, we need to push the envelope a little bit. You're exactly right in the sense that we need to spread the word. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned earlier, your one of the pieces that I have in my house is the the resin uh, Bitcoin B, which is which is pretty heavy, but it it looks excellent in my coffee table, and it's the way that you made it, it was very uh, subtle in the sense that it's gold, but you I mean it's the back is gold and uh, the the top is clear, and and I just put it on my coffee table and it just complemented the rest of the stuff that was there. And I have people that come over and sit down and, and for drinks and then we turn on the TV or whatever. And then they say, why do you have that be there? And what is it, what is it about? And then we start talking about Bitcoin, right? So something that just happened to be in my house that it's, it, I'm not pushing onto anybody. It just starts this really incredible conversation about how I started into Bitcoin and then what Bitcoin is and their perceived notions. But I think art plays a big part of, of this. A hundred percent, man. I mean, like, I like to, I sometimes refer to like the art I make and other, the art that other people make, like they're, they're conversation starters. Like, yeah. and so like, you know, we were just talking about like installation pieces and like public, you know, guerrilla market, you know, art campaigns, all that stuff. And that's really cool. Like shock value can be useful, I think, especially for like, you know, if you're trying to go viral or whatever, but like, you know, you can't push Bitcoin on people, you know, as, as many times as I've tried, I finally learned that like, you, you have to let them ask the questions. So you know, having a piece of crypto art on your wall, something that's subtle that, you know, you don't necessarily know it's crypto art unless you know what to look for. Um, I think that's, that's even more powerful than doing something big, you know, like getting your friends to be curious about what, about what you care about is, 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 you know, beyond powerful. Um, like this isn't, well, I guess it's kind of art related. So I, I, I wear a, um, an open dime around my neck. Um, and it's probably the best conversation starter for crypto I've ever had in my entire life. Um, People are like, what's that weird, you know, USB around your neck? And, you know, then I go in and I tell them about it. Um, so, you know, I, I really believe that, like, there's a different, there's places where we can be in your face with this stuff. And there's, pla there's places and times where we can be subtle and they both have their uses. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't know. On a side note, if anyone's listening, I'm, just, I'm not getting paid, but I just love open dimes and you should <laughs> all get them. And, you know, I actually put them in, in, in a lot of my sculptures now. So... My joke is that uh, my sculptures are not just sculptures, they're actually uh, they're stores of value. 
And, and we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about that in in a few minutes, in the sense as to what people are doing with with crypto art and and how it complements uh, the pieces and how it's different from traditional art. I wanted to ask you, who's your typical client? Then, second, are you open to commissions? Because a lot of artists want to work on their specific piece and then they just print out or or whatever media they're they're doing. They just create variations of the original art. Do you work uh, commissions? Um, I do. I'm probably a lot more selective now than, than I've ever been with that kind of stuff. I, um, okay. I've had a really long ongoing commission with, um, with, uh, wax, the, um, NFT, uh, platform. Okay. And it's a really cool, cool series of pieces. Um, but it's not really a hundred percent my vision. And so I don't really, you know, I prefer, you know, as like, as you were talking about, like, I definitely prefer to be working completely on what I want to work on. Um, but you know what? Artists got to pay the bills. So, uh, if anyone's listening, buy my stuff and I can do more Bitcoin. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what's your, your typical client? Um, let's see. I mean, a few of the pieces, I mean, it, it, it kind of varies like now, mostly Bitcoiners, um, you know, I, I haven't been active as an artist for, for all that long, probably, I don't know, a year now, maybe. No, probably less than that um, in terms of like at least selling my artwork. Um, so a lot of people are Bitcoiners. Um, and this this commission is honestly like it's it's take I've been working on it for like five months now. You know, it, there's been a lot of iterations. We've we've experimented. Um, you know, I've gotten paid to experiment, which is nice. But like. You know, that's the problem with a commission is that like you're, you're working for somebody. And I feel like most artists don't become artists because they want to work for someone. Um, and so I was, that's kind of a lesson that I, you know, that I'm, I had to learn. Okay. Excellent. That kind of, uh, talking to other artists, they kind of feel the same, right? So appreciate what they produce. It's a very specific point in time in crypto and in Bitcoin Buy their pieces because uh, more than likely it's going to appreciate and value. And then you're helping somebody that's being creative and, and helping the space. So that's, that's my two cents there. So is it safe to assume that you're not Tom Walters, a uh, Forex trader that drives a Lambo and back with Herbajan that added me on Instagram the other day? <laughs> uh, no, but if you, know, you send me some Bitcoin, I'll double it overnight. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting, man, because I think you shared one of the pieces, one of the pictures that I, that I posted. And on Instagram, it's crazy how many people just either hijack your pictures and um, take over what you do. And it's, it's just so interesting. Uh, there's, there's a lot of scammers out there and it's, uh, and there's a lot of scammers because a lot of people fall for it. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, and honestly, like, you know, I've been scammed. Like I'll tell you a quick story. Like, like you're never, how do I phrase this? Like you're never exper so experienced that you can't fall for a scam. You know, I, I truly believe that, you know, if they catch you at the right time, you're tired, like, you know, like one day I, um, so I used to kind of, before I became more of a Bitcoiner, I, I was doing like giveaways on Twitter. Um, I think I was giving away some art or merchandise. I was selling my website and, um, basically like I announced the winner and I said, I made the stupid mistake of saying, you know, reach out to me and, you know, I'll send you, you know, the merchandise or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I go to my inbox and the person's there and they say, um, you know, hey, man, like, you know, I don't really want the whatever you're offering. Can you just, you know, send me Bitcoin instead? And I was like, well, you know, I can send you the my cost value. You know, it's probably like $10, $15 in Bitcoin. And I, you know, sent it without thinking. And then a moment later, I look in my inbox and I see what looks like the same username saying, Hey man, like, you know, I won the thing. I'm so excited. Can you send me that merchandise? And I'm just like, Oh shit, I just got scammed. You know, I, I literally just, like just woken up. I hadn't had coffee and I like, didn't even think about it. I like, I didn't think that someone would scam me for like 10, $15 or whatever or for a wallet. I think I was, uh, giving away one of my dirty fiat wallets that I, that I used to make. Um, and it turns out what happened is, there are people on Twitter, so you know, great PSA if you ever do a giveaway. Um, people on Twitter who literally look for these giveaways and they see uh, someone who's won and they'll change their username to something very, very close. And what this guy had done is he had changed a uh, an L to a capital I or vice versa. So it looked exactly the same. Um, so it's, it's just like, you never know, you know, like you always have to be vigilant. You always have to, you know, verify, don't trust. Um, so yeah, that's right. sense on, on scammers. That's very interesting. Cause I, and they're super quick too. Cause I remember Coinbase was not working or I was, something was stuck on my Coinbase account 
And um, I posted something on Twitter and within a minute, there's a uh, support account for Coinbase on Twitter. Very professional. They reach out to see how they could help. And <laughs> I just happened to open it and just notice immediately it was not Coinbase, right? But they're super quick, right? So these people could be traders or, or something else because they, they, they're fully focused on scamming people and they're very successful at it. There, man. And the ones on Instagram, though, they're just like, I don't know. I, maybe now I'm just used to it, you know, but these like Forex binary expert traders, it's just like, ugh. but you know what? Like the fact that they're still around means that people are still falling for it. So right. we have to keep telling people about this stuff. Yep. So, Bregi, could you tell us or could you talk about pseudo anonymity on crypto Twitter? One of the things that I noticed as I was putting together my notes for this session is that I, I don't know who you are in terms of your name and stuff. And to be fair, it doesn't matter. Is that weird? I don't know if it's weird. Um, can you talk I mean, what's about... The, what's that uh, the, the Shakespeare quote? Like, uh, would a rose by any other name be as smell as sweet? Something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I think that's part of the beauty of, of, of Bitcoin and something I learned. Like, um, like pseudonymity is a sort of, I guess, power, if you will. And like, look, I'm not that hard to find if you really wanted to connect the dots. I'm, I'm, I'm out there. Um, but I guess I made that decision when I got in um, that I wanted to be a pseudonym. I wanted to present a character, uh, at least sometimes. Um, and I think, I don't know, at least for me, because I was so new, I, I, I wasn't really thinking about privacy all that much. Um, like part of it was definitely privacy. Like I wanted a layer of like of pseudonymity kind of between myself and the rest of the, I guess, cryptoverse because you know, I wasn't confident in my, in my thoughts yet, in my, in my beliefs in crypto. I was still doing my own research and, you know, trying to figure out what it all meant. Um, and so having this, this character that wasn't really the real me kind of allowed me to, to do that, to explore and to make mistakes without feeling like, you know, I might say something stupid and get, uh, you know, lampooned on Twitter. Like, even if I did get lampooned, like they're not lampooning me, they're lampooning, you know, this, this character. Uh, and that's kind of, I don't know if I, that, that actually holds up, you know, like, you know, the thoughts are still my own, but like, I'm definitely, as I've like progressed from like a noob to a, I guess an alt coiner, shit coiner into a Bitcoiner, I, you know, I'm definitely more confident and I, I, I know what I know and I, and I know what I don't know. Um, and so I think I've definitely, the character that I was is now less, it's more me than, it, than it's ever been, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. And I want to say that I, I do remember, I don't remember how long ago it was, but I do remember Matt O'Dell posting something saying, I'm going to a wedding and guess who's the best man or something. And he didn't say it, but it was more like this cartoon is going to be there too. And <laughs> I, right around that time, I think you started either transitioning into a more concise message around Bitcoin. Well, I think it definitely started when I started listening to Tales from the Crypt. Like if anybody turned me into a Bitcoiner, it was, it was Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent for, right. for 100%. Um, but yeah, no, that was a really, really funny time. Um, so my, one of my very good friends from, from college is related to Matt and, you know, we didn't know that he, he says, you know, one day he shoots me a message. Are you going to this wedding? I said, Oh, how are you going to this wedding? You know? And so I got to spend a weekend at a wedding, you know, basically getting a personal tales from the crypt rabbit hole recap podcast. So that was uh, pretty amazing. But you know what, like to your point, like connecting with people like Matt O'Dell and like with some of the more. I don't know, like the people in the Bitcoin community who like I look up to, like they definitely like they force you to level up in a good way. You know, like I, I had to question like kind of everything and, and reanalyze like what, what, why am I doing this? What's this all for? You know, what's important? And, you know, it, it basically, it led to me becoming the Bitcoiner that I am today. Not that there's not plenty of room for improvement, but, uh, you know, it definitely got me on that, on that journey. Very interesting. And then in terms of uh, putting yourself out there, I'll tell you a short story. It was two weeks ago. I was, I'd like to get a haircut at a very specific place in Valencia Street here in San Francisco. And, and then as I was entering one of the coffee shops, there was a guy coming out with one of your purple uh, Brecky Bond Bitcoin t-shirts. And, and I looked at him and I smiled and I, I, I smiled and he looked at me like, who's, why is this guy smiling at me? Uh, which, which probably was kind of weird, but I, I don't know. It felt good to me. So is that the ultimate validation? Is that because it's not a, it is crypto gear, but it's very specific. It's your brand. It's, what do you feel when you see something like that? 
Well, it doesn't happen very often. I, I, I shouldn't admit this, but I know exactly who that was. Okay. <laughs> he was a friend, he's a friend of mine, but, but the, you know, but to see friends rocking, you know, your brand is, is definitely a good feeling. Um, I mean, I think that's, that might be validation of like, of the relationships I built, um, not necessarily of the, of, you know, my, you know, mastery or intelligence in the Bitcoin world. But, um, you know, I, I, I truly, like we were talking about community earlier and like, uh, and the culture. And like, I truly believe that like there is a Bitcoin community and culture and, you know, one day that will sort of engulf the rest of the world if, if all goes well. Um, so, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's validation that I've not changed lives. I'm not like that pompous, but that I've had an impact, you know, and that I've, you know, become that I've made lasting relationships and friends. And that I think that's just as important as everything else we're doing. I agree. And I typically don't go to any conferences. And, and I think my first Bitcoin conference was here in San Francisco. I was really surprised uh, as to how open everybody was, right? So it, although a lot of people think that they're late to the party, um, I can tell you it's not. It, a lot of people are working on building new things. A lot of people are working on building their skills. A lot of people are there for the beer and the party and, and to kind of um, have fun with friends. But it's it's a time where everybody's still helping everybody out and everybody's learning a little bit every day about each other. So from, from that point, I, I think it's a, a very great experience to kind of um, hang out in person with these people that are in, in this space uh, that is kind of growing and, and gaining speed, but it's the right time to kind of participate. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, the community is so, it's like, it's so small, like even now, like, like we've, we've, we've come so far, Bitcoin's 10 years old, like, you know, we can't put that aside, but like, if you look at the scale of, of everything to, to where it's going, uh, I mean, anyone who's, who's into crypto right now is going to like be looked back on as like a pioneer. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Even like the trolls on crypto Twitter, like they're pioneers too, you know, like all of them. Yeah, in terms of uh, putting yourself out there in, in crypto Twitter, crypto Twitter is very interesting. Twitter in general is very interesting, but it's, I don't know what it is, but it 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 feels like whenever somebody posts something, there has to be an immediate reply. I, I don't have anywhere near an, an interesting number of followers. I think I'm always fighting resistance at, at around 250 because uh, my personal <laughs> account doesn't offer anything. Yeah, it's yeah. just me posting something, but I the old tired joke about proof of stake. I, I, I was having a barbecue and I put a picture of steaks because they were really good. Um, and then somebody reached out to me privately and said, hey, man, those are not even good steaks. And, and I sat there and I said, OK, let, let me look at his profile uh, because I said, maybe he's a butcher. Maybe he knows. No, there was a dude that was going to the, yeah. a university in Tennessee and, and he was from Georgia. And I'm like, there's no... Why is he telling me my stakes are bad? Who is this guy? <laughs> so I sat down and I said, okay, what am I going to game? There's nothing, right? And it's very interesting because you get all these people reach out and, and kind of contradict what you're saying for no reason. And, and I'm assuming you get a lot of trolls. And how do you deal with that? And what's your experience with that? Sure. Um, well, I got to give a quick shout out to Funface uh, at shitposterchild, who is, I guess, a, a more beloved troll in the crypto Twitter community. Um, he trolled me pretty hard when I first, uh, I guess when we first interacted and I think that kind of, you know, taught me some lessons. Um, cause even his trolling is like, it can be mean, but there's usually kind of a reason he's doing it. Um, and so I, I learned very quickly that there's this troll culture that I was, you know, I was new to it. Um, and you know, there's a lot of ways that you can respond. Um, you can, you know, I think one way I tried was like, you know, giving as good as you get, like trolling them back. And sometimes that works. And sometimes it just leads to hours and hours of horrible, you know, trolling back and forth. And right. I was like, okay, that, uh, you know, that's a waste of time. That's not worth it. Um, you can ignore them, you know, like I, I believe in like a liberal use of the, uh, of the mute button. Um, I don't really block people too often. I kind of feel that like, if they want to have access to my content and they're not being overly annoying, like I'll just mute them if, if it, if I need to, although, you know, some people are blocked. Um, but, uh, hmm, I mean, it really depends. Like there was one guy a little while ago and this kind of ties into, um, artwork, I guess. Um, I posted something and he, I think it was a piece of art that like a lot of people liked, you know, I think maybe it was maybe the anonymous mask, piece that I'm working on, or I don't remember what it was, but you know, it, the tweet performed very well. 
And this guy hops on the thread and he like starts trash talking my artwork. And so on the one hand, I'm just like, well, one, I know, I know that this piece is good because I, you know, I have some eye for what I'm doing. Two, half of crypto Twitter thought it was good. So, you know, they're not all wrong. Um, and he was like trashing it. And I basically like, you know, you can, you can kind of defeat them with a little bit of logic if you, not, lo not like mean logic, but like, you know, you ask probing questions. And I was basically asking him, I was like, you know, like, what is, why are you, why are you saying these things? Like, what is this accomplishing? And I kind of went into this idea that, um, you know, he, he was also an artist and that was the thing. He was like saying that his art was so good and this and that. I'm like, okay, you know, but like, dude, and I didn't even get into his art. I was basically like, well, well, you know, do you think that this is like a zero sum game? Um, cause I don't, you know, I think that, you know, we're so early and so new one, we should all kind of be supporting each other anyway, but like for artists, especially like we're, we're creating market share, like we're creating an art market where there was none. So to like be putting other people down or trolling people is just, you know, not in anyone's interest. Um, so I don't know, like you can appeal to them and even like there, are, I mean, there are times where like I, I'll probably say things that piss the trolls off, you know, like last night I tweeted something about how like even trolls deserve love, you know, and I'm sure a troll saw that and was like, you know, screw this guy, you know, whatever. But like, you know what, like if you're a nice person, then like you're kind of hard to troll. And like I made a, made a decision when I first got onto Twitter um, that I was going to be a very nice person on Twitter and not that I'm not a nice person, you know, in real life, but like, you know, like anybody, like you can let your you know, anger get the better of you or you can, you know, get upset or whatever. And I kind of made this conscious decision where, you know, I'm not going to do that. Like, I think part of my brand is like promoting positivity um, for the most part. And, you know, that's just who I'm going to be. And I think if, if you decide that you're not going to um, roll around in the mud with the trolls, then like, you know, them flinging mud is not going to affect you. Um, and, you know, obviously sometimes it does affect you, it, you know, you know, somebody can say something that really just pinches a nerve, but you know, if you're conscious of this being a possibility, then it has less power over you. Completely agree. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's how you take it. Right. And I, one of the things I, I can tell you is when I met you in person, very relaxed, very chill. Uh, but you have a lot of depth uh, in, in your character. And, and that's something that I, I wasn't expecting. Both Trevor and I were, were sitting with you and I said, oh, this is a really cool guy. And, and it kind of, I can see that in your character uh, or in your pseudo persona, I would say. Um, and, and it, the pseudo persona totally changed. I don't, I don't know if you saw some of the earlier stuff, but like, like, yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't, I personally, like the character that when it, for, when I first started doing it, was like everything that I hated about uh, crypto Twitter and influencers and all these people. Like I was totally lampooning them. So um, yeah, it was satire. It was sarcastic, right? And and at some yeah. point you reached that inflection point where you started tweeting more educational stuff, and and then a lot of your following were used to the old stuff, and they, it, it was kind of uh, important to do, do I still follow this guy because just for the, <laughs> the laughs or, or 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 not? And and I think I I don't think I've ever. Um, part of the ways with you, but it's, it's, I definitely saw that transformation. So it was really good to see. That's really interesting. I've never, I don't think I was conscious of it at the time. Like I, it, I definitely shifted like that. I know like looking back, but like I wasn't conscious of the shift and I, yeah, I'm not going to like, I think everybody looks at their follower count every now and then, but like, I wasn't like noticing if like, if, you know, somebody was unfollowing cause I wasn't doing uh, parody videos or something, you know? You know, people do like, they're like, oh, when's the next blockchain in Morty? When I'm just like, uh, I'm working on art. I don't have time. I'm sorry. I'm and it, and it takes a lot, it takes a lot of time, right? Yeah. Even those, yeah. th those cartoons where you just have the, uh, the audio, it takes a lot of effort. And that's something that I, I would like listeners to understand. It's, there's, it's not only the, the creative piece, it's not only recording something, it's, it, it takes effort. Yeah. That like, it, it, it sort of, yeah, it really depends on each one. And like, I, a lot of the blockchain and Morty videos were responses to, you know, things that were happening. And so like, I, you can't, couldn't always force it. Like, yeah, I could like look through a video and say, okay, this scene would work. I can redo that one. But like a lot of the time it's more like something that happened in the community. Like, like I did that hold not episode and it's like, all right, now I have to do this. Um, and so you, you know, you can definitely let what's going on guide you, but like, it's, <laughs> it's not writing a story, it's changing a story and making it work. And so, I don't know, in some ways, I think it's just as hard as coming up with something from scratch, well, maybe a little easier, but um, yeah, it's, it's, 
I definitely want to keep doing them, you know, like I, I wish I, I do wish I could do more of them. Um, but you know, I, I, I can't make money off of them. I refuse to, you know, I, I was actually offered many, many times to, um, do paid videos for like scammy ICOs. They're like, Oh, we want you to do a Rick and Morty video. Um, and you know, we'll give you this money and this and that. And I'm just like, well, I can't, I, I actually said to some of them at the time, I was like, look, if you can clear it legally, like if you can guarantee me, have a lawyer, send me a letter that if I do this, I will not get in trouble. Um, and, or you will take on all the risk, you know, then I'll consider it. Um, that was kind of back when I was a shit coiner. Um, now I'd never do that. But, um, but that's the thing. It's like, now I'm only going to be doing them when there's a real satirical need, like with, with Hodel not like that, that was actually, that was an inflection point for me actually, because when the Hodel not business was going on with, 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 um, fake Toshi Fakamoto, um, he, I, I, I was busy. I didn't want to make that video, but it was the first time I felt like I kind of had to. Um, right. and I think that one came out really well because of that, because like there was even more need to make it. So, you know, if you're listening and you're a blockchain and Morty fan, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to, there will be more, but you know, they're going to be when, you know, the situation really demands it. Can you tell us about any, can you tell us about any new projects you're working on? I saw that you bought a 3d printer. Is that something that you're going to be focusing your time on? Um, and then I, I, I know you mentioned uh, to me privately that we're also working on a catalog of your art. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Sure. So yeah, I, I just I split a 3D printer with a friend, um, and I you know I was playing with it all weekend, um, and I kind of you know like I, I was talking before about how like if something is challenging, I kind of want to do it, and you know. 3D, here's the problem with, with being a sculpture artist or any artist, I think, is like when you have an idea, translating that idea into reality is, is the hard part. You know, like you have, this, you have this idea in your head and you're just like, all right, now how am I going to do this? Um, and you're, you're limited by your skills and limited by what you've learned. Um, and I, I've always wanted to get a 3D printer. I just find them so cool and I could literally watch them print for hours and they will print for hours. Um, but you know, when you know how to do like 3d modeling, like you can, you can, I can create anything. I can create an infinite tower, you know, to the moon or whatever. Um, and so I'm definitely, it's going to take me some time. Like I, I've been teaching myself 3d modeling software and you know, it makes sense. It's not, I know I'm going to get there eventually, but like I need to, I need to level up and put the time in. Um, but you're right. Like I, I, I'm really excited to get to the point where I can not only use it to to up the process of what I'm already doing, you know, like instead of having to carve something by hand for, you know, two or three days or longer, you know, I could probably model it in a few hours and then have the 3d printer print it out. And, you know, I can make a mold from that. And like, like there's so many ways to kind of speed the process up and also improve the process. So, um, technology is fucking, it's, it's amazing, man. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then you were asking about the catalogs. That yes. About it? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I do various types of art, you know, like on my website, I sell, you know, more like prints and things like that. Um, kind of a bit of a sidetrack, but you know, I, I kind of think that everyone should be able to have like a conversation starter in your house. So like, you know, I don't really like when artists only make $5,000 pieces like that kind of bothers me just a little bit. Um, but I also really enjoy putting the time into, you know, to a piece that'll take me a you know, a few weeks or a few days into weeks, or, you know, I'll have to think about it for a month and come back to it. And like, like these, these more elongated processes, you know, they, 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 you end up creating something, you know, much more special. Um, and so this catalog is going to be essentially a PDF, um, of all of my show pieces that I've been working on. I I've been working on a lot of sort of Bitcoin focused pieces, you know, in between, you know, commissions and, and, you know, day jobs and things like that. Um, and I've been sharing kind of glimpses of them, but I haven't shared them in a, you know, a formal way. Um, and so I don't know how, other, I think one of some of the other guys on the podcast were talking about this, about, you know, getting your stuff into galleries and things like that. And I think that's important, but I have this, at least with my art, this sort of like kind of self-starter mentality. And especially because like crypto is so open source and do it yourself and, you know, anti-establishment kind of thing. Like I, I just really want to do not, not do it all myself because that's like, that's pompous. Like, like everyone relies on their networks, but it's basically like, 
I don't think we need the traditional system necessarily. You know, like I'm building up a roster of, you know, of interested people who like my artwork, um, call them collectors, whatever. Um, you know, and I'm going to send out my pieces to them. I'm, I'm hopefully going to be doing like my own sort of gallery show in LA. Like, you know, I have a, you know, I have a friend who has, has a warehouse and like I, I have an you know, experience throwing events. So like I'll throw my own event, you know, like you can, I think the, the gallery system is great. And I think like, maybe one day getting your stuff into these galleries is like, you know, that'll be when crypto maybe is mainstream. Um, but you know, like at the end of the day, like an artist just needs a few things. Like they need their, they need to make money. They need to sell their pieces. Um, I think for their own, like, what's that phrase? Raison d'etre. I know I can't speak French, but like for their own, like reason of being like, they have a purpose to their artwork, you know, like a reason why they're doing it. And so they need people to see it and people, you know, getting people to see it is important, but like, if you have the network and, and the wherewithal to like, to, I don't know if you can figure it out. Like I don't need the gallery in New York. Like I can, I can figure it out and, and you know, like I can make it work. And I think a lot of people, they rely too heavily on what they know. Um, and I think that was, you know, it kind of ties into the whole like crypto thing. It's like, you know, like, I used to believe in the dollar. I used to believe in our, you know, in, I don't know, the American war machine. <laughs> I look back on like the old me and I'm just like, what? Like that, that made no sense. I kind of just like, as a kid, I was spoon fed all this propaganda bullshit in school. And then I had the veil like drawn over my eyes or lifted from my eyes. Um, and I think that applies to, you know, to how you, you sell yourself and make money and, and do everything in life. So, um, you know, if you're out there and you're a, an artist, I'm going to shill, shill myself here. Uh, send me a message and I'll send you my catalog. Even if you're, you know, even if you're not looking to buy a $5,000 piece, you know, $5,000 sculpture, like I'm happy to share it. Like just, you know, um, so I don't know, like I hope, I hope more artists out there kind of realize this fact, like that you can grow your own network. You can make your own opportunities. Um, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And, and it resonates with what some of the artists have said privately and, uh, in the past. So I think there's, there's a huge opportunity there. Can you tell us about the opportunities in Bitcoin and the role that art will play in this? I mean, sure. I'm, I think art is, I think it's needed for adoption. Like, I'm not going to say that in like a, we must have art or there will be no adoption kind of way. But like, I think there's two ways to look at, at Bitcoin. Um, there's the, well, there's a lots of ways to look at Bitcoin. That was stupid. Um, but there's, in terms of like culture, there's two ways to look at it. And, and as it relates to adoption, um, there's the idea that like, no matter what Bitcoin is going to succeed purely based off of its inherent properties. And, you know, I personally think that, you know, given a long enough time frame, I think that's true. You know, like I subscribe to the Austrian economic school of thought and, you know, I think the hardest, soundest money is going to win out. But here's the flip side to that is like, why do we have to wait? You know, I don't think we do. And I think a lot of the harder, harder core, really toxic maximalists who much love you guys. I think you guys are awesome and we need you to keep being the, you know, stalwarts that you are, but like we can usher in this new world faster if we, if we put our minds to it. And so art and like all forms of Bitcoin art are, are, are needed. Like, like we were talking about before, like to promote conversations, like you have, um, that my resin Bitcoin be on your coffee table. Like how many people come in and see that and like walk out and, you know, maybe they look into Bitcoin. Maybe they start, you know, watching an Andreas Antonopoulos video. Like it's that simple. You know, it's all it takes is one conversation. One of the things that I noticed and you mentioned earlier is the use of OpenDime. Can you talk about using technology in your pieces and what do you think the future of this will be? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, open dimes were something that I, I stumbled upon, I, I guess, through through Twitter. Um, and I ordered a few and I was like, these are really cool. Um, it, for anyone who's, who doesn't know what an open dime is, um, they're made by CoinKite and they look like little uh, USB sticks. And basically, they are a um, almost a bearer instrument for Bitcoin. So essentially, uh, if you were to take the, the open dime and plug it into your computer, it will display the public key. Um, for a Bitcoin address and you can send Bitcoin to it, but you can't withdraw the Bitcoin until you actually, um, there's a little hole on the device and you poke a needle through and it pops out as part of the hardware, changing the hardware, um, at which point it will then show the, um, the private key. So, you know, what that allows you to do is if you, you know, let's say I send $10 of Bitcoin to this device, um, 
I can then, or sorry, to the address associated with the device, the, getting, uh, being a little Bitcoin nerd here, um, being technical, trying to, but basically, uh, send $10 worth of Bitcoin to the device. Um, I can then hand that to, to Havo and, you know, pay for the coffee that he bought me. He can then take that device, hand it to somebody else. And essentially, you know, you're, you're doing Bitcoin transactions completely off offline. Um, and I just found that really, really interesting. Um, but in my artwork, I, I wanted to include technology in some, in some way, you know, like sculpture is a very, I think old form of art, maybe what, like there was cave painting and then there was probably rock chipping and, you know, first sculptures were born. Right. Um, but you know, this movement is inherently technological. Um, and so I, there's definitely an opportunity to kind of bring that home and to transform the, you know, the artwork that we're, that we're all doing. And, you know, I wanted to make my art more than art. I wanted to make it functional in a way. Um, and so I've begun embedding these open dimes into my sculptures. Um, and I think I mentioned this before, made a bad joke about it, but basically like my sculptures, they are stores of value. You know, I can send, you can send Bitcoin to the sculpture and even if nobody wants to buy my work, uh, at least it's worth something. Um, but you know, I don't know. I want to, I also want to take it a little bit further than that. Um, I have some plans to incorporate uh, Bitcoin full nodes into the sculptures themselves. So not only are they stores of value and pieces of art, but you know, they're also helping to help, you know, to validate transact, not validate transactions to, you know, decentralize the network and, you know, do their part, um, do their part for Bitcoin. So, um, I think there's lots of ways to, to incorporate the technology, you know, whether that's, you know, doing a painting that, that highlights the technology or, you know, baking the technology right into the artwork. I know a lot of, I know a lot of people are doing like, you know, they're doing NFTs and things like that. Um, there's, you know, there's all sorts of ways that the blockchain is, uh, is infiltrating the art world. And, you know, my way of doing it, it I want it to be very Bitcoin centric. So I'm, I'm using open dimes and uh, ho hopefully soon full nodes. Okay, excellent. Very interesting. So, Reki, thank you for taking the time today. You're someone that I consider a friend in the space. I'm enjoying seeing you progress both as an artist and as a Bitcoiner. Hopefully by listening to this podcast, people have learned a little bit more about a very creative person in this space. Thank you, Breaky. It was my pleasure, man. Hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Curating Crypto. If you liked this episode, please help us by sharing, rating, and subscribing. You can also stay in touch by following us on Twitter at Curating Crypto, where we will be sharing additional information and links related to the topics we've covered in these sessions.